Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Dead Funny Dead Serious Podcast. I'm your host, Casey. Joined with me is Mitzi, and we are just so happy to have you with us today during this uh, great discussion uh, where we kind of cover a little bit about uh, death cafes and what you should think about when starting your own. Uh, you've done, you've start or set up a couple of uh, death cafes in your time. And me, I've never been to one. I know vaguely what they are and what their purpose is. But for those who don't, uh, could you please like explain one, what they are and kind of what the, the purpose is. And two, any advice for somebody who wants to start one of their own? And like what kind of topics they should talk about, what they should avoid. Um, Cause like we've, we've had many discussions where me as a layman, I would be like, Oh, let's talk about that. And you're like, no, that's a trigger. Don't do that. And I think that's super important for people who want to start their own to be able to know what the pitfalls are so they can avoid them and what, the most important parts are so they can be sure to address those in a, in a productive way and how to just set the whole thing up. So again, you're putting me on the spot cause I, I don't remember um, the name of the gentleman that started death cafe. He was from England um, and it's an international organization, nonprofit. Um, it is a, it's done around the world at this point. And um, unfortunately, the, the founder, he passed away kind of at a young age. I think he was about 47, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years back. Uh, and it really just, you know, drove home the fact that we just need to talk about death more. Um, so I started mine. I've gone to multiple different death cafes. Uh, if you go on deathcafe.org, uh, you'll see, you can put in your town and it, a lot of them pop up. There's a lot organically as well. So mine's not even on that website uh, because I have enough attendees just from my pocket of the world. Um, the rules of Death Cafe are they're free. They have no agenda uh, and there's always cake. So... Those are the rules. Uh, and the part where there's no agenda, kind of answering what you're saying uh, with what you should talk about, what you shouldn't talk about, really there's no agenda. Um, but they do ask on the website that whoever's running it has a little bit of a background of some sort. So either something medical, something social sciences, something that kind of gives them a little bit of a a foothold in what this all can encompass. And I would say the piece that I watch out for is that you got to make sure that it doesn't turn into a grief group. Um, and it's hard. That's a hard thing because what brings us to our ideas about death are the people that taught us, 
taught us about death. And so that's, you know, I just watch those pieces and I just observe the people and if there's any triggers and let them know if there's any triggers that we can readjust and that I'm there and I kind of just hold the safe space. Um, I don't do any therapy in that space. Um, cause I go in with no agenda as well. Um, I'm not looking for clients or anything else. I'm just wanting to facilitate a conversation that is helpful to the people there. And I'll tell you, they go in every direction. Like there's, there is no rhyme or reason. I, I write stuff down every time. Um, this last week I wrote down the Jahari window, um, as a way to, kind of do your own uh, living wake. So you send this out and people like pull out the traits that they think about you. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of like getting the feedback of when you're actually dead, but you're alive because you won't know who sent you what. Uh, the Weatherman. Uh, it's a movie about Nick with Nicholas Cage in it. Um, and I guess he has a, a living wake in there and so I wrote that down and then Shangri-La the theory of Shangri-La where when you die like there's this greatness at the end and it's kind of we were talking about magical thinking so that's just what we talked about this last week and so there was no agenda I couldn't have gone in with that if I wanted to uh, but I always learn something even after years in this field I learn something new every single time I write down between three and 15 items, depending on how many people are in the room. Uh, usually there's a good laugh and usually there's something a little tougher and we just work through it. There's a lot of love in that room and concern and, you know, scary stuff, but good stuff too. So how do you start? Answer your question? Oh yeah. No, that was, that was, that was, <laughs> An excellent uh, description. I'm, I'm just curious, like when you walk in, how do you start them? Like that—that that seems like something that would be so uncomfortable for me. Uh, I mean, since I have experience running grief groups and everything else before I ever did this piece, I was pretty comfortable, um, kind of getting everyone situated in a in a space and holding a, a safe space for them. I would say uh, I introduce myself and whoever else is co-facilitating with me. Um, I do it real briefly. I just say that I'm a therapist in Seattle uh, and that I study thanatology and I explain what thanatology is. And then um, my co-facilitator introduces themselves real briefly. And then we, I just say the, kind of the guidelines that we have, which is confidentiality. And it's, it's not AA, it's not a therapy group, but at the same time, we want people to feel safe in that space. And so I let them know just any details of other people's stories that they share. We try to leave it in that room. And then, um, but themes, ideas, concepts, take that out in the world and talk about it with everybody. But please just try to leave everyone's details there if they shared something. Um, I can't make them. They're not telling anything, but I ask nicely. Um, and then we just go around and I just say, oh, we're going to do introductions. And it's kind of your name and what brought you here or um, what you've been thinking since the last time if they've been to death cafes before. So we have a lot of repeat 
uh, people. And I also encourage everyone to go to multiple death cafes. Um, even the people in my group, I, I tell them about the one that's uh, in a town next to us uh, that has better cake. Uh, that's Tacoma. She has much better cake than I do. <laughs> if you're closer to Tacoma, you should just go to that one. Uh, she's lovely. Great group. Um, if I live closer, <laughs> I wouldn't do my own death cafe. <laughs> I would just eat her cake. Um, it's a like professional cake. It's like a nine-layer cake every time. Like It's ridiculous. Whatever. You go for the cake and you stay for the, for the death. Yeah. I mean, that's... That one, you get both. Like, she's a great uh, facilitator as well. And the cake is amazing. You know, like, mine is not. <laughs> mine is Costco cake, if you're lucky, if I went to Costco this week. Or hey, the grocery store. I'm a fan of Costco cake. Don't be Costco hating. No, I love the Costco cake. Like, that's the, the top of my line. Uh, that's the good days when I've been to Costco that week, because I do it once a month. Uh Otherwise, you just get QFC, which is our local grocery store. <laughs> Cupcakes. Quick fact, I, I learned about Costco today, which is kind of about death. They're rotisserie chickens uh -huh. that they sell for like $5. Uh -huh. They actually like lose money if you just go in there and buy their chickens. It, they lose about $40 million a year on their chickens. But it's the value proposition of if you buy something else while you're there, they actually make money. So $40 million. A $40 million loss annually on their chickens. I wonder how many dollars are per chicken. Is it like 40 million chickens lose their lives just to make sure that there's a value proposition at, at Costco? Whoa. Like that would be just a dollar. They lost a dollar per chicken. I'm sure it's more than that. Uh, I'm sure they sell way more than 40 million chickens a year. That's a lot of chickens. Yeah. 40 million chicken deaths. <laughs> and we'll just, we'll just we're just going to breeze over that because. Wow. I mean, we're talking about death. Like that's just a lot of them. That, that's a whole lot of death when you actually put a number on it. Yeah. I mean, we could we could do a whole episode where I just like we we crank facts about like animal yeah. deaths annually. Oh, uh, we'll we'll turn me and half of America into either blind carnivores who are just gonna we'll, we'll just turn our blinders off. Okay. Or we'll turn vegan uh, vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know I'm the sure answer. The number, it's just I'm sure the number is just ungodly. Yeah, I mean, we can go further even, like just how many worms are eaten by birds. You know what I mean? Like you just think about like just mass deaths with how many people and birds and fish. How many people would die if cats could kill them? Well, I think cats are the number one pet in America, so half of America. I I can't remember what it was. Like I wanna say like cats, if left unchecked, would kill like two hundred animals a year each or something like that. Total total like 
pulling this out of, out of thin air, but I remember hearing something crazy like that. I know the, the Caitlin Doty book. I don't know if it's out yet, but it's like the title is will cats eat my eyeballs. Yeah. It's, it's her new book. Uh, I want to say it did just hit the shelves and I want to say it was something like basically it's all about like kids questions around death. Yeah. I know the title is, is like, will my cat eat my eyeballs? Yeah, I, I think the whole book is <laughs> kids asking her questions about death. Well, I have tickets to see her, so we'll see what happens in September. And I bought tickets for all my death friends because that's a thing. Is that kind of like a, a best friend? A death friend? Death friends? I don't know. Or, it's my or group do you people have that like, are okay with this. Packed? No. Not yet. Because when I hear a death friend, I think of death pact. No, 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 no. Just people, you know, how earlier we were talking about like people think you're weird if you talk about this all the time or if this is your business. Uh, you know, I have a group of friends that like aren't, you know, off put, off put by that <laughs> and actually find it fascinating. These are my death friends, right? And then I have other friends that are mm -hmm. like, and you hook, you hook elbows, skip through the town singing, yep. we're the three death friends that anyone could have. Yeah, that's what we do. And we go to things that, you know, talk about death and we think that that's fun and exciting. And so. it is. I mean, all of our listeners think it is. Otherwise, they wouldn't be our listeners. That's true. Um, I don't know how many listeners we have at this point, so that makes it even funnier. <laughs> but we're growing, I swear. We are. If we're and not, all, we should be. And it's all because our listeners love to share our content. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. But you should do that. But seriously, share our content. <laughs> and ask questions so we have shit to answer for. Yeah, because... As much as, as fun as it is to just ramble on about death, it's so much more interesting to find out what questions you guys have and to answer those. And I'd much rather do those. that. I'd much rather do that and just also, uh, you know, be useful. And I also always learn something. So I'm self, that's selfish. Uh, every time someone asks me a question, I don't understand it completely. I love researching, um, all of this and just doing a deeper dive into whatever it is. It's like the Victorian clothing. I could answer, but it's been so long since I read up on, you know, hair jewelry, like that it's, I, I wouldn't be uh, much use. So I'd rather just research it a little bit and then be able to speak from. Yeah. I, I definitely like to speak from a place of knowledge, uh, mm -hmm. which is why I like talking to you because you have more of that knowledge and that insight than I have. Like I still think the other day I, I posted like after doing an interview with mom and dad about uh, them getting their new burial plots and doing all their paperwork and uh, that whole episode, we, they, they ended up telling me that their uh, the cemetery that they purchased from said, oh, if you move, we have connections with other cemeteries throughout the country and like your money will just go to them instead. And like, like you can transfer your plot essentially. 
so I posted that out on Instagram and the feedback I got from many people in the industry mm-hmm. was that is not completely true. There are a number of places that do most likely uh, SCI corporations, right. large corporations that own a large percentage of the funeral industry. They have it, but there's just as many that don't and are independent and don't offer that. Mm-hmm. So just if you're, if you end up seeing that post or someone shared it and all that stuff, just be aware that that's not a hundred percent true. I'm sorry for putting it out there <laughs> and I'm sorry for putting it out there with so much pizzazz, <laughs> but I, I want to, uh, inform everyone that some do many don't and just ask the questions so that you're aware of where you stand with that place. So just wanted to put that out into the ether. Yeah, that's interesting. I saw that post um, from my side, but I don't have much time for social media at the moment. So I, I kind of was just like, huh, that's interesting. Is that true? And it, it was hard to believe just because, but I was assuming that it was the SCI piece mm-hmm. um, just because they own, I don't know what it is. It, I'm, not, I'm just throwing a number out, but it's like 40% plus of the funeral homes nowadays, or it's owned by like two or three major conglomerates. So yeah, there's probably something closer. Um, I will say, you know, like all of that, that you just said about where people are being able to be buried and they're moving a lot more nowadays. Families are really separated. I would be surprised if more and more funeral homes weren't offering that uh, as, as things pop up. Um, just because, you know, uh, Washington state has the most cremations. So you can take ashes with you if you move uh, and, or put them in a mausoleum and then move that versus um, grave sites. So it, it's all being like a little bit more flexible, but if also if we take the ashes and throw them into the Puget Sound, you can't do anything about that too. So there's multiple ways to look at that piece. Right. And uh, yeah, I just, I hate putting out information that I believe to be true. And then, yeah, like in the same post, people are like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't want to take, take it down because I also wanted those comments of me admitting to being wrong because people shared it. So I want people to, yeah, like, so I wanted to leave that up there to show that I am trying to be as honest and forthcoming with any information I put out there. Cause I mean, as much as I'm learning out there, there's always misinformation and I want to own up to that as well. So we, uh, we're not perfect, but we'll, we'll try to be. Yeah, we make mistakes. I mean, I make mistakes all the time. I'm sure half of what I said earlier about Ernest Becker and and Freud was all wrong. Um, Who knows? Freud's really dead, so that's fine. Um, But, I mean, that's probably just because you wanted to sleep with your father that you made those mistakes. Probably. And because I just have penis envy. Um, Me too. All the time. Uh, Yeah. 
and I, I'm just in denial of death and anality. Because I mean, if you think about it, most guys I think have penis envy too because they just don't feel like they're big enough. True. So everybody has penis envy. We all share this common thing, just like death. That's the episode for today. Join us next time on another episode of Dead Funny, Dead Serious.